You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, podlings, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you, the listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. In this week's episode, the latest chapter in Serial, NPR in Dire Straits, YouTube adds to its slate of podcasts, Spotify's lack of diversity spending, new shows from Seinfeld and Parks and Rec alum, and How to Commute. We are back, and more importantly, Stocks is back. How are you, mate? We are back. I'm well. I'm well. Fresh. Fresh as a daisy. You're looking fresh and enlightened? Enlightened. Hmm. Interesting choice of words. Not sure <laughs> if I'm enlightened, but definitely um, actually took a week off. Maybe a week off of my mind, not for my body. Yep. And it actually really helped. I was looking at emails on Monday morning when I was sort of preparing to fly. Anyone who's done that uh, West Coast US to Australia flight know that you sort of have the longest day on the day you fly because you tend to fly out close to midnight. Yeah. You got the whole day of purgatory of like, what am I going to do? And if you're checked into a hotel or something, you're checking out at 11. It's like, That's oh, right. need things <laughs> to do. But as I was plowing through, I guess, catching up on a week's worth of emails, it was like, oh, I, my perspective has shifted. I've got different ideas. So yeah, it worked. I like it. Interesting listening to some of our favorite podcasts in the US as opposed to listening to them in Australia. Is you get different ads. Yeah. So some of, uh, I guess, the ones we've talked about, let's go of some of your ringer staples, which sit on Spotify, that have those ads you can't move. They don't have that over there. Right, okay. There seems to be something that's here. So I don't know. it's just maybe being tested here and then... Perhaps, perhaps. You, I found you could just skip through everything. Um, it was even a reflex that I had. Oh, I can't skip through that. I've got to drag that. It's like, oh, no, let's try forwarding 30 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever. Could skip through them all. Yeah. Also really interesting to hear the hosts of all the podcasts you like to listen to actually reading the ads. Oh, okay. So they do a lot more native reads there. A lot more native reads. I'd say, yeah, someone like a Bill Simmons, he works hard for his money. Yeah, because He makes a lot of money, but he works fucking hard. Absolutely. I mean, the only one that really comes through for him is the um, Airbnb ad that he's doing at the moment, which is coming up. But I I hadn't realized that they're doing, they're all on him. That's great. Yeah, and I'd say three ads per ad slot. It seems to be a norm over there. Seems to be a minimum. Okay. So, yeah, just some interesting little takeaways, just some subtle little differences apart from a toilet flushing the other way. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Well, my uh, my mother-in-law is in town and, and she's over from the UK and I think similar to her, you know, I mean, they listen to the BBC um, apps and everything over there and they don't get any advertising, but over here it is supported by advertising. So she's suddenly having to cop a whole bunch of ads when they listen to things or watch things or read things on across the BBC channel. So. Oh, they'll be outside the charter over there. That's yeah, right. It's, it's interesting. And so she's worried about more than just Coriolis effect. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, there's a fair bit happening in the bloody world out there in the world of podcasting. So why don't we jump into it? Yeah. Well, why don't you kick us off? This is your boy, your obsession, your OG podcast. I know. This is one of the initial podcasts that really captured the minds and the hearts. It's it's serial. I think anyone listening to the show would need absolutely zero introduction to what this show was. But the case of Adnan Syed murder conviction he'd been in prison for a while this podcast was basically you know the first of its type the host sarah koenig she interviewed adnan from jail did this kind of investigative journalism shtick across to try and find out if it was actually him that did or didn't do it anyway and it was the murder of his girlfriend at the time that's um, right Heyman lee so this got overturned he he got released but it has now been overturned again. So he just got a breath of that sweet, fresh air, and, and now it seems that he's back in. 
incredible sort of turn of events and I mean, quite a roller coaster for this bloke if indeed he is innocent. I mean, geez, that must be, be taking its toll. But yeah, it's, the, the murder conviction has been reinstated over a procedural issue. So the court has sided with an appeal brought forward uh, by the family of Heyman Lee and the family argued that they were not given enough notice to actually attend the hearing that led to Syed's release, which is, you know, interesting that that is what it's taken. It feels like a bit of an oversight. Like It does. Yeah. I mean, at least send out the invites and they can, you know, not RSVP if they like. But and at least- give them the 30 days, 60 days notice they require to, to exactly. show up and front up. I mean, that, I mean, that's, I guess, the ultimate legacy of all of this is did he do it? Did he not? Has been the narrative. But the reality is Heyman Lee's dead. Yeah. Her family's grieving. Whether it's him or not, she's still dead. Yeah. So they're the ultimate victims in this case. So if they're not looked after in the process, I guess they do have a right to go, hey, you know, look after me. But That's right. I can't believe it. I believe he has 60 days to launch his appeal, which will keep him out, and yep. then just start this whole process rolling again. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, look, uh, lots I mean, of box of chocolates, but, geez, the US legal system, fuck. Yeah, so Serial did another sort of special broadcast when when the conviction was originally overturned for Syed. I haven't seen anything that's come up recently just about this, but you know this was literally yesterday um, news. So we'll see what comes out of that. I'm, I'm sure they'll have a take on this one as well, and and it just keeps on giving if you want to be kind of like glib about it. But yeah, 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 on we go. <laughs> Well, I mean, this was an NPR podcast. Yeah, uh, NPR has confirmed that it's cancelling four podcasts. Yeah, that's tough news, isn't it? I mean, they certainly were riding the wave for quite a while, but it seems like the purse strings in these kind of production companies, they are tightening a fair bit. Yeah, we watched, um, actually, we didn't mention it, but Zanon and I, well, at least I watched when we were over at Podcast Movement, the announcement of the Spotify NPR partnership. The ultimate circle jerk I've ever seen. Right. Probably sat through 15 minutes of it, coughed up, and yeah. just went, cannot deal with this, left. <laughs> it was just the biggest hot air, nothing. Right. But there was no talk about this. So basically four shows are gone, and one's been scaled back to from a daily show into a less frequent format. NPR moved this week to cut 10% of its staff and stop production. Um, of these podcasts and three of them are quite acclaimed seasonal podcasts it's invisibilia louder than a riot and rough translation Mm. apparently there's a budget gap they've got it's over 30 million dollars i'm not sure i mean these three shows or four shows may scale that back but that's a big gap certainly is uh and the other one they cancelled was a comedy podcast it's quite a recent one so it was called wait wait don't tell me and what did npr have to say of it well their chief executive john langsing said in an interview we literally are fighting to secure the future of npr at this very moment by restructuring our cost structure it's that important it's existential he went on to say right i mean this is dire stuff from them i mean that's quite a statement to release so yeah no doubt there's going to be a lot more coming out of this but yeah hopefully they're able to kind of right the ship and and keep on creating some of the the great programming that they're known for so yeah look they've linked this to plummeting ad revenue that's a 30 mil is it's a lot of ads yeah and based on what's going on out there i think there's other issues they might have just got a bit too ambitious with what they're doing some of the reaction on social media has focused on the fact that most of the cancelled podcasts were hosted by people of color and women Uh, not a not a great little spin that you want to have associated with this as well. I mean, it's enough to be in this kind of financial situation that they're in, but also if there is any linkage to that, I mean, that's obviously shocking. If it's completely just a, a, a funds management kind of thing, then it's it's a shame that it you know it came at the cost of, of this as well. But yeah, because it is a progressive media company, yeah. NPR. Not a good day for them. 
All right, let's get some positive news happening, brother. Yeah, well, this is big. The Slate team and, and YouTube, they've joined up. So another big win for YouTube on podcasting. YouTube really seems to be being quite aggressive in the marketplace here. If you're not across Slate, they make some great podcasts, Slow Burn, Political Gabfest, What's Next, Amicus, and others are all coming over to its YouTube channel. Yeah, so Slow Burn has been an absolute juggernaut and has won a ton of awards over the past year for their for each of their seasons. I mean, they do that that deep dive into a political or cultural event and just really dissect it over over the, the time period. Yep, and look, in a unsurprising statement, Slate's president and chief revenue officer, Charlie Kramer, Camera, sorry, Charlie <laughs> Camera, um, said discoverability has become one of the biggest challenges across the podcast industry, and we see this as a real opportunity to build scale and reach a new untapped audience on YouTube, which has become the world's most used podcast platform. That sounds like he's reading straight from a uh, YouTube press release. Or a transcript of bloody behind the podcast. <laughs> yes. Of totally. our recent talks. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the discoverability angle is huge. YouTube absolutely excels in this. And, you know, prior to podcasting, there was an actual podcast about this matter called Rabbit Hole, I think, which was really popular that came out uh, a year or two ago, just all about the the algorithm that YouTube uses. So, look, they're, they're pushing that across to the podcasting. And I think it's obviously very appealing to, to podcast companies like like Slate. Another little side note from um, my trip to North America, there was a YouTube service I didn't know of. It's called YouTube TV. So it's a separate app. Mm-hmm. And what you can use that for is to access all your sort of cable shows, but you can get your network TV like CBS, NBC, ABC, but then you can also uh, access HBO, uh, Sport, uh, like ESPN, all these different things, NBA TV, uh, different things through this app. So it's a different app, but it's just on your TV, it's on your devices. um, It's very interesting. And it's quite seamless. So it's, so it's basically like rebundling everything. It's a cable box and an antenna in yeah. one go, but it's by YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and it's not your normal YouTube app, but it looks almost identical. Yeah. Wow. So YouTube really, uh, you know, making some big plays and a lot of stuff we don't get necessarily over here at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. And look, on that, just podcasting in Mexico, I did find it quite interesting. I did send through to the, um, the BTP group chat, I mm. saw these bloody podcast ads everywhere, all over around Mexico City. So bus stops, uh, on sides of buses for these all these podcasts. So I had to just dive into the stats and there's 34 million users of podcast listeners in Mexico right now. I would have 126 million population. Yeah, amazing. That's pretty good. Obviously not up to Australia's sort of over 50% penetration. And it's Spotify and Google Podcasts. I thought that was interesting. But then you think about it, the socioeconomics of a City, well, Mexico City is is nine million in the city, nineteen million in the state around Mexico. Yeah, and you can see when you cross over from the city into the state, a noticeable divide. Oh, it's like the world's biggest favela, yeah. uh, organized favela, but ridiculous. So there's not going to be high iPhone penetration in Mexico, I'd say, compared to somewhere like Australia. Yeah, so the Android makes sense there. Yeah, Apple's probably sitting at the back, a bit lower down. And then another interesting stat is almost 60% of Spanish internet users, Spanish-speaking internet users, listen to podcasts. With 486 million native Spanish speakers in the world and over 550 million who speak it in some form, Spanish is the official language of 20 countries. Look, there's a massive opportunity there. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about the AI uh, use for for dubbing your podcasts Mm. recently, the uh, technology that's become available. So, I mean, these sorts of things, I mean, that's a perfect use case for it if you're looking to get a bit of more of an international audience there is is use AI to to transcribe your podcast or actually read it out in in Spanish. BTP Española. Si. Spotify. Let's get our weekly Spotify chat on. 
This one isn't so great for them. They've spent less than 10% of the $100 million diversity fund that they've set aside. Uh-oh. Basically, this fund came about after it was a bit reactionary after you know a huge Joe Rogan uh, deal was signed and, and a whole bunch of misinformation it was uh, his COVID comments right came. it was not, right. not the right not the racism stuff it was the COVID yeah and if you have to delineate between the two then maybe oh well the racism was, I think it was real out of context yeah. um, if you take anyone who's been doing something for the last 10 years and creating as much content as him yeah um, you can do cut-ups of people sounding very you know yeah using certain words a lot and people will Yes. As a result, basically what Spotify did was, was pledge $100 million into a diversity fund to really push well diversity across the network and, and make sure that they're getting great representation, etc. But it seems like they've spent less than 10% of this. So is this just uh, knee-jerk tokenism? Hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Like the whole thing was. The reactions, like a diversity fund when he's been talking about COVID-19 and he had, what, it was 270 physicians and scientists sent Spotify an open letter calling for a information policy so how do we deal with that oh we set up a diversity fund so it's already just a sort of hey look over here even though here's the problem and they're not going to address it and they're scared to address it and then to actually not do anything with it well you know yes my knee is jerking. Yeah. <laughs> jerking me off. So we'll see if this kind of ups the spend. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to be rushing out and just throwing $100 million to the wall, but certainly you probably want to see a bit more of a proactive approach on this and, and maybe even a kind of a plan on what they intend on doing. I think, you know, in the regular True. course of events, they don't need to kind of answer it. Well, I mean, they need to answer the shareholders and things like that, but on their sort of day-to-day spendings and, and what they what their plan is and, you know, their strategic route, you know, it, it's it's not something that you'd expect to see as just a general listener. But when they do go out and make these kind of big statements and big pledges, then that's something I think that there is a there is a need to kind of follow up on that and show that they're actually doing something. And if they're not spending the money exactly right away, this is what they're planning on doing with it and, and you know, bringing people along on the ride there. Because, you know, with that money, it, it is a good opportunity to really do some good work and, and support a lot of people. So. Absolutely. Yeah, look, we worked on them on one of the sort of First Nation Voices projects they had, which would fall into this, I think. And they got a great campaign they run in the US and we're talking about trying to run it here, which is, I guess, a job path for different different voices and different people, particularly in production. And the timeline on it was sort of three years. And so we just went out and did it ourselves. <laughs> but uh, fair enough, they're a massive company and that's, that's how long it takes to turn the balance ship around. But it is interesting that... Um, there's a couple of things, I guess. They've come out with a couple statements, so it's clearly a bit of a sore spot. Yeah. Um, a representative of Spotify told the Daily Beast that while a company does not offer specific spending figures, the Spotify Creator Equity Fund has spent more than the $10 million to date. Mm. But not the case? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's, there's that's kind of being supported. But look, they, they did say that they're not going to give absolute specific spending numbers, but they said they've funded um, efforts including GLOW, which is their global... Uh, equity program for LGBTQ plus musicians um, and Nailing It, which is a Spotify podcast whose hosts are all black women. But as Bloomberg noted on this, some of these projects listed in the internal memo they got actually predate the fund being established. There's maybe $90 million left to spend, so let's, let's see some action. Yeah, <laughs> totally. All right, Jules, two of our favorite female comedians of uh, about to launch podcasts i was very much uh alive when in, when seinfeld was out and, and doing big things i i wasn't quite old enough to see julia louis dreyfus on snl but certainly familiar through the internet and, and youtube about like her work there um and you know a lot of people would be know her from veep obviously more recently 
But two big two big announcements. Julia Louis Dreyfus is is releasing her Life Lessons show, and then a lot Amy, wiser than me. Yeah, and then Amy Poehler has sold three seasons of a comedy podcasting satirizing podcasts to Cadence Thirteen. Amy Poehler, who you'd know from SNL and from hosting the Oscars with Tina Fey and all their various collaborations, written some incredible stuff. So, look, this is two very exciting different podcasts, but they're very different as well. Let's have a look. Let's break them down. Amy Poehler's is a three-season podcast. As you said, it's satirizing podcasts. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that? Will they be able to get three seasons out of it? I don't know. But clearly, they, they've got a plan there because it's, a, it's you know, usually you'd probably do a one-season thing and then renew after you see how it goes. So well, Plan to make money. Yeah. Uh. So, they're, they're no doubt, they've no doubt thought this through. <laughs> and I will say, when Parks and Rec first came out, you know, it was it was taking on that mockumentary style uh, show, and and the initial season it was you know so so, but it really did find its feet, and it became such a well loved show. And when they brought on Adam Scott and yeah. uh, Rob Lowe, that's it right. just took it, off. That's yeah. exactly right, and and it found new legs uh, during the pandemic, and everyone started you know looking for old shows to stream, and this was certainly one of the ones that captured the imagination of people. She's obviously hilarious, and I think that she'll have a really great way of doing things. There's other shows that kind of deal with podcasting as well. Only Murders in the Building is a good example of this. You know, the, the whole show is based around these their three main characters creating a podcast about a murder that's happened in the show. It has, hasn't gotten old. It's great. It's an awesome device to tell the story. So I think that Amy Poehler and her team will be able to do something really cool with this. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, she's got a good, as good a chance as anyone is pulling this off. Absolutely. Now on to our favorite, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Wiser than me, she seems to be going to an interview format. So it's basically talking to people who I guess she's learning from and then at the end of the interview, she'll call her mum to unpack what she learned from that week's guest and I imagine have some good banter with her mum. Very um, very much early Dylan Friends vibes. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, but I mean the the guests seem ridiculous, like Carol Burnett, Amy Tan, Darling Love, um, real high powered. Now both these ladies have cult audiences, cult followings from the shows they were on, as you're saying, Seinfeld and Parks and Rec. Interesting though to see who'll do better. As you said, Julia Louise Dreyfus has a Gen X audience and, and Gen X and older. Yep. Whereas Parks and Recs probably and Mean Girls and things like that mm-hmm. probably allows Amy Poehler to be cutting through to a bit of a Gen Y. Gen X audience as well so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah and they're different styles of show I mean completely Julia's is is more of the kind of traditional interview type thing you know maybe even like a Dax Shepard sort of style uh, show whereas Polar's is it's a satire of, of podcasts so it's really a different lane and I think there hasn't been a huge amount of success stories in that sort of fictional space in podcasting so far. I mean, usually when they go on and become TV shows or movies, that's kind of where the, the big success comes. But of the actual fictionalized podcasts themselves, you know, it's it's not as big. So if she can break through on this, it'll be really, really interesting. So we always talk about product improvements that Spotify has had and other podcasting platforms. Apple isn't one that we regularly talk about quite frankly, because they don't seem to release that many new updates to the podcasting platform that they have. But they have released a new one with the latest iOS uh, upgrade. So we've got a few new things for the Apple podcast platform. So channels in library. Coming down the track, listeners are going to be able to find and browse all of their podcast channels in one place on the iPhone, iPad, and and Mac. Um, When a listener follows a show that is part of a channel, the channel will appear in a new section of the library. Channels that listeners subscribe to are located on the top, followed by channels for free that shows uh, that listeners might want to follow. So this is kind of the first 
new thing in a while, I would say, that kind of makes a difference here. Definitely. You have channels for a lot of the DM podcasts. We try to have them all under one channel mm-hmm. and it helps. They can really promote you as a publisher. And it is something that Apple tries to do is to actually feature publishers or yeah. channels. Um, we could have sub-channels within there. So we could have like a DM sport. We could have a DM pop culture. But we just keep it all as one. Yeah, cool. But it is definitely something and uh, that they try to push and it's something that we've tried to do. So any more exposure they can give to it, uh, that sounds good. And if you want to say a Slate podcast and you like this type of stuff they do, I think this is a good way to go. And they're also making improvements to their Up Next part. So the Up Next queue features new episodes from uh, followed shows that help listeners decide what to play next. So that's a big battleground, right? With the whole TikTokification of Spotify and everything, it's trying to keep you on app and just keep it rolling and keep the next thing coming and suggesting... And it's just it's YouTubing it. Yeah, really. that's right. And, and I think that what they're planning on doing here is including episodes that you've saved to your library. So I, you know, in, in my Spotify use case, just run through and, and you know hit the plus button on a, pun- on a bunch of shows so that at a later date I can go into the My Episodes thing and, and yeah, select what I want to listen to from there. But this kind of just feeds it into your up next and make sure that they're, they're kind of front of mind and not forgotten. Um, which is pretty cool, I think. And some of this rolls across CarPlay as well. Yeah, exactly. So you've had a bit more experience with CarPlay over in the States recently. Yeah, I was lucky enough to use my friend's car that had CarPlay, Apple CarPlay in it. And it was a really good experience. I mean, just A, watching him do sending WhatsApp messages while driving at 85 miles an hour on the freeway. It it should have been. It wasn't. It was a very seamless experience, but the podcasting was fantastic. I really found it a good experience. So I did sort of crack open Apple Podcasts again for that. Yeah, because I'm just putting my things into a queue, just adding them to the queue so I can just dump the phone on the the ground in the car and just drive away and just have them play through. Um, But Spotify, you know, obviously also has its daily drive where they curate a bit of a list of of podcasts and and music to somewhat mimic your radio sort of experience sounds the ads, which is good. I'd love to get CarPlay. It, it probably revolves around getting a new car. We'll yeah. See. So my pre, I recently upgraded to a Elon Musk car, and that's got Spotify on there. But it's not always seamless. If I'm on my phone and then I hop into the car, it doesn't necessarily just seamlessly transfer across. It'll sometimes go, oh, this is the last thing you were listening to in the car on Spotify. So it's actually got Spotify on in the car, not it's not like a, an output for my phone. Do yep. you know what I mean? Like yep. and it defaults to that a little bit. But prior to that, I had an old Subaru and that was just the old Bluetooth coming through. So basically whatever I put on would most of the time play as like like when you pull your headphones on or something like that. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, what what's your setup? Are you um, Bluetooth. So yeah. get in the car, you know, it's the same as what you just said then. Whatever I was listening to just comes on um, once the car's connected and then yeah if I've got my little queue of, of podcasts that are up there once you know the first 10 minute thing finishes and it's on to the next one or, or if I'm you know taking a longer drive then maybe it's a it's a queued list of longer shows but yeah it's annoying so it means you've got to get your hand, headset out potentially get fined move forward move back or change to the next show yeah it does bring up the the interface somewhat on the on the media screen in the car um, but it's it's not the best experience but it, it'll do and it, it means that you don't have to necessarily have the phone open which is the main thing while yeah. driving so it's a little better than the old phone jack yeah yeah right what about when you commute like when i ride my bike i do the one earphone on 
the curbside to convince myself that I still have spatial. I have spatial awareness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than I'm doing because I'm certainly having both earphones in. I'm not doing complete noise cancellation. I'm trying to have some level of transparency, but yeah, I think it's probably a little bit dodgy. Yeah, I've got to go noise cancellation when I hop on the ferry because it just belts. Yeah, and I've got to sit out the back on my bike. So yeah, interesting. And yeah. what about do you, you? You hop on the occasional bus, don't you, or train? Not so many buses anymore, but yeah, tram I get a lot. No, I usually like to just have the transparency on at all times. Really, I mean, the only time that I don't is if you know flying or if something's particularly noisy and I really need to kind of absorb in what I'm listening to, and then I'll go to the noise cancellation. But I like to keep my wits about me, stocks. You know, I like to know when assailants might be coming up behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're a pretty intimidating guy, so I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> so I've had a, a new show suggested to me. This one's called Hard Fork, and it comes from the New York Times. So it's a show about the future that's already here. Each week, journalists Kevin Ruse and Casey Newton explore and make sense of the latest in the rapidly changing world of tech. So this is really exciting sort of stuff for me. Um, this is Porn for you. Absolutely. So there's quite a few episodes out already, so I'm going to be deep diving into this for over the next uh, few weeks. They're a long listen, like it's all 59 minutes plus. Yeah, and as you would imagine, if it's talking about tech, it's going a lot into AI, you know, TikTok bans, all these sorts of great topics that are out in the world at the moment and just giving that kind of deep dive into them and, and, and an interesting spin on them. So this is one that I'll be listening to, a recommendation from me. All right, I'm going to give that a listen. Me, I just battled through all my classics while I was away. So, um, yeah, I'm now looking to explore again. Love it. All right. Well, great to see your face, mate. You too. And happy exploring for everyone. 